Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. We are so excited to have maybe the most excitable guy in all of sports. He is owner of the Savannah Bananas baseball team. He is author of Find Your Yellow Tux and host of the Business Done Differently podcast. Welcome, Jesse Cole. Thanks so much for being here on the podcast, Jesse. Bill, you know it is always a pleasure. The best part of my day when I get to talk to you, my friend. So let's rock and roll. Well, it is showtime. So (laughs) it's great to be here. I've asked everybody that's come on, you know, there's, there's been a really weird time for us the past year. What have you been doing to better yourself as if you need to better yourself? But I mean, what are the things you've done differently? Is there a habit you've started, something you started reading? Of course, you're a reader and a kind of a habit guy anyway, but is there something differently you've done in the pandemic? <laughs> I was about to go completely uh, sarcastic and say, well, I took up smoking, drinking heavily, eating lots of sweets, but no, I didn't go that route. Uh, I, be honest, I, I leaned in five years ago, 2015. I was in a tough spot. I was waking up with other people's priorities on social media, following everything else. And I, I, I leaned into the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I read the book and it really made an impact on me. His lifesavers uh, about silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I turned it into my own back in 2015. And I turned it into basically every morning I start the day with a thank you letter. Then I write, write in my journal. I do 10 different ideas, which most of the ideas, Bill, are crap. They're bad ideas. Um, I've got... 10,000 really bad ideas, but I write 10 ideas every morning. Um, And then I go for a run every day. I I don't miss days running. So I go for my run. I listen to my podcast and that's like getting my vegetables, uh, you know, every morning. And then I read and I've leaned in on that. So literally every morning I'm doing more of that. um, And I think that's just been a habit that maybe, you know, went in overdrive this year to make sure that I was continuing to read, grow, learn, and then also reflect. And I think that's why writing is so important. I think a lot of people, uh, take it for granted or don't do it. And I think it's really important. That's so great to hear that, you know, yo pal, Hal, yes. as well as you do, and that uh, you've got to know his book. It's terrific. He was actually interviewed for my first book. So uh, it's great to hear that uh, everything goes around in a good way. Oh, geez. Well, good habits go a long way. And I mean, Hal, obviously, what a great story. And I think, it, you know, it's so great. And you know this, Bill, when you have a great story that backs up who you are and what you stand for, it carries everything. It carries so much weight in spreading the gospel. And I think that's what really helped Hal was his amazing story as well. So most everybody in sports can tell you where they were on that day in March last year, about this time, where when they first learned things were not going to go as well as they'd hoped, things were going to be shut down. Of course, different, it may be different in the South, but where were you kind of at that moment that you realized most of sports was not going to go in many places? Well, it's funny to think where I was the weeks before. So the weeks before, on February 25th, just two weeks before the pandemic was announced, we announced that we were becoming the first ever ad-free stadium and eliminating all advertising from our ballpark, which was a really brilliant move to throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars before a pandemic. So that was number one move. Then number two, on March 1, we surprised our entire team and took them to Disney World. And so our entire team went to Disney and uh, with their spouses, significant others, and we were taking all notes of all these ideas, all these plans for the season. We got back on March 5th, one week later, I'm in the office 
it's announced the pandemic, NBA shut down. Remember it was the Ivy League first. We're like, what's going on? And uh, we all looked at each other like, this is real. And I remember it was a, a big moment and we shut down the office immediately and started having a Zoom bananas for lunch uh, sessions with our team for six weeks. And that was um, probably one of the most powerful moments for our team, those six weeks and what happened. And uh, I actually wouldn't trade it for anything because I think it brought us together in a whole new way. Wow. Well, your accountant has told you recently the bananas actually found a way to turn a profit in 2020, by all counts, maybe the worst year in professional sports history, and you were found a way not to lose money. Bring us through some of those things that you did to get through this past year, and how many of those things will continue into 2021. Now, let's be clear, Bill. The profit was about this, all right? And I'm showing you audio, you can't hear it, but it's about very, very tiny. I mean, people might not even look at it as a profit, but we, we didn't lose money in 2020. And, um, it's a great accomplishment. We don't talk about money. You ask my, my, my wife or I, I don't know what's in our account. I've never know what's in our account. I think we focus on how to create fans, not how to create revenue. And if you create enough fans, the revenue takes care of itself. And so for us, what we focused on was uh, what can we do to offer more opportunities to entertain our fans? And if we do that right, they will find ways to buy. Now, were we able to have a season? Yes. But we had to eliminate, we had to play one third of our attendance. So we had to eliminate, you know, 50,000 people that bought tickets. We had to either refund them or credit them. So we threw away, I mean, over seven figures of revenue, just like that. But what our team did is we said, all right, well, the first thing, and which should always be done during crises, most times people look at every cost that they have. Unfortunately, what most people do is they look at their big cost to their staff first. And they said, all right, we need to cut that. And unfortunately, I understand where a lot of sports teams came from. They had to let a lot of people go or furlough people. We made that commitment on day one, said we're not letting anyone go but we need your help guys. We're in this together. We know we're not going to play a full season. We know we're not going to play with our title crowds. We know all of our revenue is going to be affected. We need your help. So number two, we said, all right, our first thing was our cost. So what can we eliminate or lower or work better at getting down? And so my, I remember myself, Emily, our finance director and Jared called every, everybody we had. We called our ice vendor. We called our printing vendor. We called our car lease. We called our cell phone. Vendor. And every single one worked with us. Some people just waived the fee for a month. Some people said, hey, we'll cut it down in half. We saved $2,400 on our T-Mobile bill because we asked. And so we literally did this. And I, I, I went to the team. I, went, I said, guys, what we just did, why isn't that done every year? Why is it done just when you need to? And so you look at every expense. Do you need that? And again, you're not just trying to make it worse for vendors. You're trying to make it so it's a win-win it's a for both situations. So that was number one. Number two, we said, how do I find new, new revenue? And we said, all right, let's look at every possibility in our stadium. And we started looking at our closets and our director of operations went into our liquor closet, which probably wasn't a good place to be during COVID. He goes into the liquor closet and he says, hey, our most popular drink is our slippery banana. It's an alcoholic drink that's made with only alcohol, but it's delicious. It's like a pina colada, banana pina colada. And he said, well, what if we do a drive through uh, during quarantine? I go, alcoholic drive through Isn't that illegal on so many levels? He goes, no, I looked at this and actually bars and restaurants can do this right now. And he's like, well, let's just try it. So he bought some mason jars. He said, well, just try a hundred. And we put it out on social media, no advertising behind it. The first car showed up two hours early. It was gone in 23 minutes. Hmm. We did it the next week. We up, upped it to 250. It was gone in 25 minutes. Then the final week in the middle of a monsoon, we upped it to 500 and it was gone. It sold out. He found $10,000 by just looking in our closet and providing something that fans wanted. And so we continue to look at that, said, well, what if we develop our own Netflix? We have all this video talent. We have three videographers. We've got great marketing talent. Why don't we start developing our own Netflix and do $5 a month on Facebook, not only for our games, but behind the scenes content. So we said, let's try it. 
And we tried it. We said, let's show our games differently. So when we finally played. We said, we're going to have drones during the games. We're going to mic up players. We're going to let fans determine who's going to pitch in the game, which by the way, the first time they did that, our pitcher allowed six runs in the ninth and we lost the game. It was a terrible decision and our, our coach was not too happy about it. But we started trying things. And the first night, the drone flew into the woods. The next night, it flew right into the net. Our president was learning how to fly a drone. The first night, our mic'd up players, you couldn't hear because it was running against the, 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 the jersey. You know, all these things were messy. But it ended up being now, even in the off season, we've got, you know, three to 500 people that are paying for this Bananas Netflix to get our behind the scenes content. It became a business. And we kept just testing and testing and testing. And I think what people learned during COVID is you need to try new things. I respect so much Quint Studer and everyone at Pensacola Blue Wahoos that did everything with the Airbnb and all the different, you know, ultimate golf and restaurants. But that needs to be part of your DNA. And you got to be willing to get through the messiness. And so we got through a lot of messiness and we found all these new ways to, to create revenue. And I'll tell you one thing, our merchandise, we doubled our per cap at our stadium this year. And online since March, we've increased 100% per month, month over month. And it's, it's, a, it's about to come, and I, I tell, it's about to become a seven-figure business, which doesn't make sense for a college summer team that only plays 30 games. So to give you an idea of the volume, it's because we are who we are. We stand for something. We got rid of all of our advertising because we want to be there for the fans. We want to be cool. We want to be in front of people. We keep entertaining, putting out videos. We got 400,000 followers on TikTok now, which is crazy. But because we're showing the fun, we create a new professional team. We're playing games in the off season. We're barnstorming. We're doing a one city world tour. We're playing a brand new game. We're testing all these things, which are really messy and bad in the beginning. But our, our group said, you know what, we're going to continue to innovate, be a 24-7, 365 brand, and not worry about COVID or another pandemic that's going to shut us down. It won't happen. We'll find a way. And that find a way mentality led us to profit, and it led us to actually a stronger staff with stronger purpose and really um, an unbelievable feeling that we're in this together doing something pretty special. Wow. What a story. And I have to think that some leaders or even some reps that are listening right now are saying, man, I wish I had a staff like Jesse does that I could just go do things like that and have the ability to fail because my boss always tells me, no, that's a lousy idea or no, we've already tried that before. What advice would you have or what can individuals do to activate that sort of constant experimentation or to, uh, to get some guts more so than, than what the average team would do? It's so tough for me to answer that question from a rep standpoint. Um, I was so lucky when I was 23 years old and took over a team in Gastonia, North Carolina, that the owner said we had nothing to lose. There was only 200 fans coming to the games. He said, whatever you try from, you know, pregnant night to, you know, world's largest pillow fight to flatulence fun night to midnight madness games, having games at midnight on a Friday night, which threw away normal crowds to have a game at midnight. He let me try everything. And I just believe that that empowerment led an opportunity for me to be able to do what, what I believe is best for our fans. And so I think what you need to do as a younger person is find a way to try something and just prove it success. Try to find a way to, to, to get away from asking for the approval and maybe ask for forgiveness. And I think, you know, we have so many coaches, you go back to little league days, Bill, and you know, the coach will say, Hey, keep your elbow up, keep your elbow up. And maybe, maybe, the player at play, the kid doesn't put his elbow up, it hits a double. And then all of a sudden the coach is like, great job, Billy. Great job. Just like I said, you got to show that you can produce results. And however you produce results, if it sticks to the values, who you are, what you stand for, what the mission of the team is, every leader, every executive wants results. And so what we say is like, hey, you know, what's the worst thing can happen is if you test something and it doesn't go as well, what did you learn that you will now do better? 
I study Amazon and, and, and Disney all the time. The Fire Phone was a multi-hundred million dollar loss for Amazon. It was brutal. I mean, if you look on the outside, Fire Phone was one of the biggest, biggest mistakes, biggest failures a company could have. But the Fire Phone led to the Echo. It led to Alexa. Because of all that technology that that team learned, it led to something that became a billion dollar value. So I think, what is that thing that you can try now to learn? I think you just have to start doing, start doing, start doing, and test on your own. We teach all of our people to have their own side gigs. Everyone in our group is either selling stuff on eBay. Everyone in our team is doing real estate. They're doing other side gigs because we believe in giving them opportunity to test things on their own and see and learn from it. Becomes a better entrepreneur, a better business person, and a better person that enjoys what they do. And that's what we're all trying to get to. Gosh, and then they understand the customers they're trying to reach in the first place because of their experiences outside of the ballpark. Yes, 100%. And I think, you know, to an extent, if someone comes to me and I don't think it's a great idea, but they have passion behind it, they believe in it, you 100% say yes. Because if someone believes in it, even a bad idea, they can make work because of the passion. Most of our ideas, I've said, aren't great ideas, but we have so much conviction on it. We'll will it to work. We'll find a way for it to work. And so what I challenge people is just, you know, believe in something, go in on it and scratch your own itch. The reason why we've created a two hour game with nonstop action is because I'm just trying to create a game that I would want to watch. You know, the same thing, George Lucas said this about Star Wars. He wanted to create something that he wanted to be a part of, that he wanted to watch. You know, the same thing, you see this all over. I mean, the best entrepreneurs just create something they want to see, they want to build. So if you're a rep here, or you're a sales rep or someone on a team, Create an experience that you want to be a part of, that you want to tell everyone, that you feel is remarkable enough. You don't want to say, hey, we did a Dizzy Bat race and a mascot race again. Oh, yep, we had another fireworks show. And if the fireworks show is still 15 minutes and it's very slow, change it. You know, we do a six-minute fireworks show action-packed because that's better for fans because we've tested it. Don't just say that's the way it's always been. Do something that you, I can't miss the fireworks show. You know, I can't miss this promotion because it's awesome. If you're not excited about it, good luck trying to get your customers and your fans excited about it. Talk to me a little bit about the fan that occasionally really rips you for an idea that you know is great. And you know that generally good ideas are either going to rub people the right way or the wrong way. And the resilience that you have to have yeah. to get past the one or two that are really vocal. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little? I believe if you're not getting criticized at all, you're playing it too safe. If you want to create something that's powerful, it needs to be polarizing. And so anything, and I don't want to go into politics, but just going in general, if you're creating something and you really believe in something, you're going to piss some people off. And I'll tell you, we've pissed a lot of people off. Number one, baseball traditionalists. Every single year, Bill, we lose baseball traditionalist fans. They say it's become too much of a circus. I remember a woman two years ago, she wrote a six-page blog ripping us apart. She said, you need to, you need to bring uh, earplugs. It's like this Willy Wonka, uh, you know, crazy rave that, you know, you need to take drugs to go to a bananas game. And we, what, what did we do? We shared that. We actually publicly shared that. We announced it as our review of the week on our podcast. All right. You got to sometimes realize that when people come in and they're, they put that much time and energy into something like that means you're doing it right. And so for us, like when we had Dolce and banana underwear, you know, and we came out with that and we actually did a whole video with a guy just in underwear. We got some people said, you guys went too far. I mean, we had making bacon urinal cakes, making bacon toilet paper, our biggest rival. People think we go a little bit too far. 
when we did Thanksgiving in November and we had a game and we decided to starve our fans for the 66 minutes in honor of the 66 day journey of the pilgrims. And we didn't feed our fans anything. And when you're selling them all you can eat tickets and you don't feed them for 66 minutes, people are kind of upset. And then when we tried to feed them and we had our big feast, everyone ran to the concession stands, which we should have assumed would happen, but we couldn't serve them fast enough. So the first review on Facebook tonight was an absolute cluster. Mm -hmm. And we write right back. He said, you're right. We're going to get better. But what happens is most people start defending us, but they tried something new. They wanted to create something fun. When you build your culture and say, we're going to constantly try new things and invent new things on behalf of our fans, they will give you the benefit of the doubt. And that's why an Amazon or a Disney that does so many unique new things, you got fans that will go against them, but there, there are a bunch that will always back them and say, you know what? They're trying. They're experimenting. They're doing new things. A lot of companies rest on their laurels and people get bored of them. My biggest fear is settling and people being bored and finding us irrelevant. As soon as we become bored or irrelevant, we're done. And that's what Jeff Bezos talks about day two. That's when you're dead. It's always day one at Amazon. And it's always day one for us in the bananas that we got to experiment, try new things and potentially piss a few people off. You talk to a lot of groups beyond baseball and you've become fairly good at a, at a keynote speaker and you're very active. You got a lot of speeches that you do each year, lots of them virtual these days, but you're out there into the marketplace. You've been on a lot of stages and you talk about the five E's <laughs> and I'd like to go through each of those individually because if those are people are taking notes, these are things that, that I really think are Jesseisms that are worth repeating <laughs> if you're going to do things differently. The first you have is eliminate friction. You talk a lot about that. Uh, you did something really interesting with your invoices when you knew that was a friction point. Can you explain that real quickly? Sure. I mean, every, every pay point, I believe, is a pain point. So every time someone has to pay, there is some kind of uneasiness about it. And so we started looking at every single thing that we do. Um, how do you eliminate that friction? And again, learn from Disney. Disney, before he died, he said, whenever I go on a ride, I'm always uh, asking what's wrong with this thing and how can we improve it? So every step of our journey, we're asking what are those things that are wrong, but that's a friction point that adds frustration. So yeah, invoices, they're the most boring thing in the world and they, they're brutal. No one wants, oh, here's another invoice. You know, we look at every contract, every written thing we do, how do you make it fun? And that's our brand. So yeah, our invoice opens with a uh, congrats. This is your day, the day you've been waiting for. Today is the day you get to pay. You may think you've had days like this, the day you bought your first house, the day you bought your first car, or maybe your first all-inclusive vacation, but nothing is quite like bananas payday. So pull out your money order, savings bond, Bitcoin, gold, cash, credit card, or check, and make that payment like we know you can. We believe in you. This is your moment. Now seize it. Your life will never be the same. Love, Jesse Cole. <laughs> can you share with us what your delinquency rate is, if any? <laughs> On people that don't pay? Yeah. Oh, geez. You know me and my details and not even know what's in our account. I have no idea. Oh, but of course. I'll tell Why you, would I even ask that? Why, of course. I will tell you this. Uh, more people write back and respond. Thanks for the laugh. How many times has anyone ever said thanks for the laugh when you sent them an invoice? We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertin. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. 
our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry, like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zalaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Sher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com demo. That's isbi360.com demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. As you go into 2021, there are going to be a whole new set of friction points with regard to safety and health. What are you looking at or what do you see as the new friction points that you're going to have to overcome? And all of us in sports will have to overcome, given the fact that we're now a health and wellness company. Well, again, I think the best model, and everybody should do this, whether you're working at a restaurant, whether you're at a a movie theater or anybody that where people come to, or even just a digital company, put yourself in in the customer's shoes and go through the entire experience from going on the website, from calling the number. How long does it take you to talk to someone? All right. I can't tell you times I've talked to, and I joke about this all the time, but I don't want to give away names, but uh, Bank of Shamerica. All right. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to talk to someone and I got to press one for this, dial eight for this, give your account number. Are you an organ donor for this? Give your, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so that's a friction point. So go through the journey. So, you know, for all people that are, especially sales and sports, you know, think about this. You're getting a call potentially in the middle of the day. You're in the middle of some deep work, working on things. You're getting a call. It's interruption. That's an immediate friction point. People want to buy. They don't want to be sold. So how is that experience? So for instance, yeah, we do undercover fan and we map it. So, so now with all the protocols, with all the safety things, all right, what's the mask situation? All right. How are they taking temperatures? And we did this all last year. You know, people were, you know, what do you mean you're putting this thing on my forehead? And I know people get used to it now. All right, wait, how close are people sitting next to me? How are they serving food? Is there a thing? When you go through this, you got to look at a friction in the sense of friction. This is taking longer than I like, or friction. um, I don't feel safe or friction. You know, just how do you feel? You need to map the experience on how do you feel? What I, when I walk around the stadium and I again get this from Walt Disney, I'm constantly walking around. I'm looking at smiles. I'm trying to see how many people are smiling versus how many people are confused. Not necessarily frustrated, but confused. If you're confused, you lose. That's the best advice I've heard from Donald Miller. You confuse, you lose. If at any point people are confused, you're in trouble. So for instance, uh, Bill, that's why we only have one ticket. It's $18. It includes all your food. If you come to our ballpark, you're getting all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn. Your, you know, you think about a sales rep that goes in and says, all right, well, we got this option. We got this option. We got this. Here's our cheesecake factory menu. Good luck figuring out what you want. Or here's a Mexican. Good luck. All right. That is a friction point. So how do you keep it simple? How do you think about what are those main friction points that matter? Parking. All right. We don't charge parking. That's an immediate friction point. Again, if you are going to charge parking, you better make it fun. You better make the parking experience remarkable that people want to talk about the parking experience. That's why we have parking penguins. That's why we bring in our pet band. That's why we have a DJ out there. We don't even charge, but we still want the parking experience to be remarkable. So I'm answering your question on a macro level. I think just need to look at it. You're going through it. How many times you go through an experience and say, that is worth remarking about in a positive way. And if there's none, 
you're in trouble. Go back to the drawing board. So your first is E, eliminate friction. The second E is entertain always. And you're really talking about that very same thing. What are the most, if the most friction-filled parts of a sporting event could be fun? Uh, you talk about the uh, the purchase experience, actually buying the tickets. Yeah. You, you've made a video yeah. that pops into people's inboxes as soon as they become season ticket holders. Talk about that for a moment. As soon as, yeah, as soon as they buy any tickets. I'm, I'm impressed on your research, by the way. This is very strong, Bill. Um, but I will, I wasn't smart enough to know what the definition of entertain was until I looked it up. So like entertain, people always think like, oh, you put on a show, you entertain. No, it's to provide enjoyment and provide amusement. So aren't we all in the entertainment business? I don't care what you're selling. If you're selling mortgages, if you're selling insurance, aren't we all trying to provide enjoyment and amusement? So my point is when I say entertain always, they're like, that's easy. You're in a yellow tux. You put on a show at your ballpark. No, we all need to entertain more. So for instance, yeah, when they buy from you, do you get a regular payment confirmation like everyone else? You know, just a thanks. Here's your confirmation. Boring, not remarkable. Have fun with it. We sucked at this for many years. But finally, I was like, guys, this isn't us. People are buying. Their journey starts now. We have an opportunity to entertain. We have an opportunity to be remarkable. So yeah, we, we create a video. Every year we do a new one. Uh, the one that I was a part of two years ago, it opens with me at my desk and says, uh, congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. Right now, as your ticket order came in, a high priority siren went off at our stadium and our Bananiacs rushed to the ticket laboratory to produce your tickets. And then a banana nana slowly walked in and hand selected your tickets and placed them on a silk pillow. We raised the silk pillow up into the air and sang, na savanya nahi, to celebrate the birth of a new fan. And then we slowly walked your tickets down to our vault underneath our stadium where they're being watched by maximum security where they're ready for you to go bananas. And that's what they get. People are like, what is going on there? It's got hundreds of views. People are like, this is crazy. But you're starting the journey then. And that's when they, then they get the thank you call. Everyone gets a thank you call or a thank you video personally from one of us. And then they get a playlist of music to listen to on the way to the ballpark because you can affect the experience every touch of the way. You want to make your job easier for salespeople? Create a better experience. It's, so it's what it is. It's what it is. So great. So the third E, for those who are taking notes at home, experiment, <laughs> experiment constantly. We've already been talking about that. Yeah. And is, are there one or two things that you experimented with in 2020 that you will repeat this year, coming year? Yes, a lot more that were bad experiments. Those are more fun to talk about. But um, we, we, um, we challenge our staff. I mean, TikTok is a giant experiment. So TikTok, every day we're posting something on TikTok, which is just dances, trends. It's a, I challenged our intern who took it over, an intern. Now we have 400,000 followers. I said, post something new and learn every week. Let's say what worked, what didn't work. But every day you're going to post something because the more you do, the more we'll learn. Quantity leads to quality. Often we're so afraid you do one experiment a year. Good luck. If it fails, you're in trouble. If you do a thousand experiments, some are going to work out pretty well. So what we do on our, on our staff last year uh, for three years now, I tell our promotion team, every night we're going to do something live in front of fans we've never done before. And some of them are painfully bad. I mean, we had horse head races, which the staff gets all over me on this. So whenever they say, is this going to be another horse head race? I gave, we had the horse heads. We gave to four kids and it was a race around the infield dirt. And literally this is on camera. They were my, our president, Jared, when I walked in, he was never laughing so hard. He's like, that's the worst promotion I've ever seen in my entire life. The kids couldn't see out of the eyes. And so one went out into the right field, one went towards the mound, one went into the second baseman, and they couldn't hear either. So I'm like, guys, the inning's over. Everyone take your horse heads off. Let's stop playing horse. And they couldn't hear me. So there was like a three-minute delay where their horses, kids spread all over the field. It was a disaster. And somehow we tried it again and tried it again. But um, yeah, I mean, yes, one, 
so out of all those every inning promotions, one, a uh, couple really hit off. Um, Whatever is normally the exact opposite. You know, that's one of my sayings and I, I love it because I think it creates something remarkable. Um, seven inning stretch, everyone does it in sports. Okay, I get it, tradition. But we said, let's start doing the second inning stretch. So all of a sudden in the second inning, our, our announcer goes, all right, fans, everyone stand up. It's time for the second inning stretch. Everybody stand, everybody stand. And our host, who was a cruise director for Norwegian, was also in Blue Man Group back in the day, very good performer. He came up with this idea. He's like, I got an outfit. We're going to come out. And he comes out during the second inning stretch in a Richard Simmons impersonator outfit. So literally it says sweating. He's got the wig on. Clap. All right, everybody up, everybody up, everybody up. And he, two players follow him out with their shirts off. And he goes, all right, everyone, let's stretch, let's stretch. And the whole stadium gets their right arm going, gets their left arm going. He's playing this trend. And he goes, all right, everyone, hold your pose here. Now thrust those hips. And the whole crowd starts thrusting their hips. It was one of the weirdest, funniest things I've ever seen. And now the second inning stretch is a new tradition at Bananas, at Bananas Games. So just those type of ideas. And the same thing with our, our broadcast. I challenged our broadcast entertainer. Every night we're going to do something different, whether it's a new way of uh, showing the game, new way of uh, announcing, new way of um, like contest for the fans, involve the fans and different things, new giveaways. And every night you tried something. And I think that's what I'm trying to get through to the culture is guys try every day, but let's talk about it. What works, what doesn't work and, and go from there. So yes, we're playing banana ball to answer your question. The banana ball, we're going to keep playing. Um, we're going to play on the road. Uh, we're going to play more of the two hour game fans loved. No one left the game, a big problem. Friction games are too long. Fans were leaving early. So now a two hour game, they know they're going to be, they're going to be able to stay to the whole thing. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep our broadcast going on a Netflix type model. So there are a few bigger things that we will keep going from there. That's great. The fourth E for those who are taking notes at home, engage deeply. Mm. And you call it go for the love. And this is something I think every rep could do, no matter who you work for, no matter how deeply entrenched your team is in tradition, you could take some of these elements that you talk about uh, to be able to get really close to your fans. You talked about a, a sales rep recently that had lunch with a fan every Friday. Yeah. Now that hasn't happened over the last year, but yes, it was really strong. Uh, love is better than like. I think so often we're on, focused on how many likes we have, how many followers we have, you know, better to have a hundred people that absolutely love you than a thousand that kind of like you. You know, you think about these former brands, you know, it's like, I, you know, I kind of like Toys R Us. I kind of liked uh, Radio Shack. I kind of liked Blockbuster, but I love Netflix. I love Chick-fil-A. I love Disney. There's a different emotional feeling that you have. So how do you create that? You got to engage deeply. Uh, some of the best advice I've received was from uh, Darren Ross, the CEO of Magic Castle Hotel. And um, it's the second rated hotel in all of Hollywood, LA, but it's an old yellow apartment building. I mean, it's not nice. You walk up to you're like, am I really staying here? but they take it to another level. They have a popsicle hotline. They have free soda, free ice cream. They know your drinks. They have snacks. They have things in your room that's custom to you. And I go, I interviewed him on business done differently. I said, Darren, how do you teach your team to believe in this? Well, he goes, well, one thing we do is we incentivize stories over sales. I go, what do you mean? He goes, if we get a great story, you might go, you might, we might send you on a cruise. Everyone incentivize sales, but incentivize stories. The stories live on in your company and they create bigger fans and they teach your team how to do things. And he had all these stories, but I remember one, he goes, everything is listen carefully, respond creatively. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we teach our team, listen carefully, respond creatively. I go, well, give me an example. He goes, well, we always ask people what brings them to Hollywood. Right there, we get some great knowledge. And he goes, I remember our, one of our, our uh, receptionists said, um, people said, hey, we're here to see Marilyn Monroe. We're big Marilyn Monroe fans. And she's like, oh, great. Well, you definitely need to go to the Wax Museum. Her star's right over there and, and explains you know, where to see Marilyn Monroe. And as soon as they went to go see Marilyn, the rep, the receptionist went, got a poster of Marilyn Monroe 
put it up in their room and then said, thanks for coming to see me. Love, Marilyn. Which I think is the creepiest thing in the world. But uh, the people loved it. They're like, oh my God, you went to the next length. So our team now learns that. And like, you know, during COVID, one of our members said on Facebook said, man, I would love some Oreo cookies and milk right now. So our ticket experience coordinator, Matt, saw this, went to the grocery store, got Oreo cookies and milk, drove it to her house, put it in her mailbox, sent a message on Facebook, check your mailbox. And all of a sudden she went to her mailbox and said, I can't believe there's Oreo cookies and milk in my mailbox. It's those little things. Do for one what you wish you could do for many, what Andy Stanley said. And I think reps try to think, oh, I got so many accounts. If you hear something unique that they love, find a way to create that and don't worry about everyone else. Love is better than like, engage deeply. So cool. The last E for those taking notes, this is your completion of the task. Empower action, empower action. I love the story about your dad. And the fact that uh, there was some advice that he would give you up at, at bat. Would you mind sharing that? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I talk often about Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum being my biggest uh, mentors, but by far my dad's my biggest hero. And uh, so fortunate. My dad raised me. I was an only child. My parents got divorced. And um, he ended up buying a baseball facility for me when I, uh, for me for as a, a business up in Massachusetts, just so I could play all the time because I loved it so much. And so when I was a five-year-old, uh, my dad, would, when I would ever come up to play, my dad would go, Jess, swing hard in case you hit it. And uh, I tell you, Bill, as a five-year-old, I swung harder than probably anyone that was six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I swung, I would spin into the ground almost. And I swung and miss a lot. But when I hit it, I hit it as hard as anybody. And uh, uh, my dad taught me that advice And as a kid. And I never really thought much of it until, you know, I really got into uh, my professional career. And I just started thinking like, you know, we often take just so many small little chances. We're afraid of something that could go wrong. But what, what if we actually just go all in, go big? You know, the worst thing that happens, it becomes a great story. You know, when, when me and Emily, when we failed miserably and sold two tickets and overdrafted our account and were sleeping on an airbed and could barely sleep and she was airborne every night when I would go up and get water in the middle of the night. I mean, it was some great stories that we had. I mean, I slept in socks because there were, the floor was gross and there were cockroaches every night. On the, it was disgusting. <laughs> Because we swung hard, we went all in. We went for Savannah after they had professional baseball for 90 years. There's no reason we should have succeeded there. We were a college summer team playing in a professional ballpark. And I think, you know, that's when I always talk about, uh, you know, Pete Rose has more hits than anyone ever played the game. He's also got more at-bats. He came to bat 14,000 times. He's got 2,000 more at-bats than anyone else. Of course he's got more hits. And then you look at the guy that failed more than anyone else in Major League Baseball history. And I always ask who failed more, who struck out more than anyone else. And I often hear Babe Ruth and then Sammy Sosa, which is interesting. I go, no, <laughs> no, no one knows the answer. That's, that's the key right there. No one knows the answer who struck out more than anyone else in major league history. Do you know, Bill? I was guessing like Dave Kingman or somebody yeah. like that. Good guess. No one knows the answer because they don't know him for his strikeouts. They know him for his three home runs in game six of the 1977 world series. Mr. October. They know him as Mr. October. They know him as a Hall of Famer, Reggie Jackson. Uh, we don't remember the failures. We remember the hits. And the only way you can get hits is if you keep coming to bat and you swing hard in case you hit it. And that's why we with the Bananas are swinging so hard every day. We're trying a new game, taking all over the country, doing a, a barnstorming tour in the middle of a pandemic and looking at new ways to create fans. And I think I just hopefully at every keynote I give when I talk to teams, I empower you to not worry about what people think. Don't worry about the failure. Don't say, well, what if it fails? Say, what if it succeeds? 
And when you ask that question, it opens up your mind to do a lot of amazing things. And that's why I always finish with that. Because if you do any of those five E's, you'll create fans. If you do all five, you'll be a world-class fans first organization. And you'll never have to market again because your fans will be telling everyone about how amazing you are and what you do to create uh, amazing emotions for them. You know, you're what, you've mentioned your wife, Emily, several times here in this conversation. If she's looking back on what you two have done so far in this industry, selling your house to buy the bananas, uh, about how the city of Savannah thought you were crazy, uh, putting all your emphasis on the fan experience. And now, congratulations, taking in a foster child, which is fantastic. What does she talk about most to others about what you've succeeded in doing? Oh, geez. Emily is the most selfless person in the world. So I appreciate you asking her the, the fact that she married me and I proposed in a yellow tuxedo in front of a sold out crowd. The fact that she said, yes, just says something about her. She's really selfless because she's given up a lot to marry this. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, she, she grew up, uh, you know, with three brothers, uh, three younger brothers took care of them. Her family wasn't didn't have the best means in the world. And she learned how to care more for other people. And so she, She's the one that literally looks at every opportunity. What can we do for our people? She's the one that helped us surprise our fans first director with a trip to uh, uh, Ireland with her father. She's the one that's helped do all these surprises for our people and, and get food for them during COVID and uh, have special shopping trips and all that. So um, the question you're asking is what is she, what would she be most proud of? And talk to others about, yes, that she would yeah. mention to others saying that, wow, here's what we've been able to do. What, what most proud about what the two of you have done together. It's our, it's our people. It's our people from the business standpoint. It's what our people have been able to accomplish, who they are as people, how they've grown, how they developed. The fact that everyone started as an intern with us at 22 years old. Now they're running a team. Uh, the fact that they're creating these moments for fans. I mean, there's so many stories of people that saying you saved my life uh, that happened this past summer of things that they've done. Those moments she's most proud of. And then uh, I think for her to look that she helped me pursue my dream. And now I'm helping her pursue her dream of, you know, there's 500,000 kids in the U.S. that don't have a home right now. And we're going to start that uh, one kid at a time. And we're going to become spokespeople for that and making a difference. And again, I often talk about, you know, thousands of people that were impacted, a million fans. Um, but sometimes going back to engage deeply, uh, it's that difference in one person's life that makes, makes everything matter. And nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. And so for her, I think she's proud of where we've gone to impact thousands to now one little girl one day at a time, one smile at a time, and to continue doing that for years to come. Wow. Incredible. You are as advertised, Jesse. It's so <laughs> great as, as I get the chance to talk to you. I'm going to just uh, wrap up here by having you do a fill-in-the-blank exercise. This is rapid-fire questions that just answer right off the top of your head. Are you ready? Let's do it. Your favorite binge watch during the pandemic? Oh, binge watch during the pandemic. Um, we did do uh, uh, Queen's Gambit. Ah, Besides sports, the one thing you've missed most during COVID? Oh, geez. Uh, going to restaurants with friends, being at people's, just being together with people. The board game you never thought would see the light of day in your closet during 2020. <laughs> uh, we played a lot of Scrabble. All right, good. Favorite musical artist on your workout mix? Workout mix, I'm always on podcasts. But if I were going to workout mix, I'm still old school Dave Matthews band jam sessions. Cool. Favorite sports team that you have not worked for? Favorite sports team that I've not worked for? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm intrigued on the Golden State Warriors. I'm intrigued on them. Cool. The sit-down restaurant you've ordered delivery from most often in 2020? 
Terra Mia around here, Italian restaurant, big into the Italian. Very good. Favorite comedian or comedian? Oh, wow. Um, uh, John Mulaney. I really love, love him a lot. And then back in the day, I go to my college days, Dane Cook. Uh, people said I don't talk like him a lot, but it was uh, uh, John Mulaney now, Dane Cook back in the day. You have the same, you have Dane Cook's energy. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. He gets very enunciating in the storytelling. He does. Favorite thing about Savannah? Uh, you know, I, it's so easy. I want to go political answer, but I'm not going to. Uh, political answer is the people, but everyone says that. Um, oh, jeez. The creativity, I hate going here. I mean, it's going political, macro. The creativity, the fun, the, the ability for people to show up and just be all them. I mean, banana beards and full art. The, don't dress like no one, no one matters. I mean, dress like they don't care. I mean, it's just, I love the ability of people to, to be themselves and not be worried about what people think. And I think that's what Savannah is. Savannah, 14 million tourists. It's all about just a fun, quirky, little cool city. And I think the people embody that. Cool. The biggest hurdle you have to overcome in the next six months. I'm supposed to do rapid fire, but that's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the ability to focus. So the ability to focus, I think uh, I've been really hard, strong with my mind on being optimistic and positive and taking all these challenges, but the ability to focus and understand what matters most. Totally get it. Last one. One bold prediction that you would have for sports and entertainment going forward. Ooh. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one uh the, the negative way would say it's going to take longer to come back but i'm not going to give that bold prediction um the bold prediction is in the next 20 years sports won't be as much of a spectator sport you're going to have to involve them and so i don't think fans are going to sit in a seat for a whole game i think they're going to have to be involved uh both digitally but also in the experience themselves they're going to have more of a say in what happens during the games whether that's gambling whether that's who's playing that's what they're doing but fans are going to be a part of the experience and they're not just going to be a spectator watching what happens so cool i think so many Big time sports owners could take such lessons from you, Jesse. And I want to thank you for taking the time to do this because you're one of the busiest men in the sports business and you took time to be able to talk to us. So Jesse Cole, owner of the Savannah Bananas and author of Finder Yellow Tux, do not miss his podcast, Business Done Differently. Is there anywhere else you'd like to tell people that they can find you, Jesse? Oh, geez, I'm easy. You search yellow tux, you'll find me. You search bananas, you'll find me. But uh, yeah, I, I'm always available. As I learned from Mark Cuban when I sent an email when I was 25 years old, he wrote back within an hour and uh, it showed me, wow. And so if people have questions, people want to reach out or just say hello, uh, I'm here. And I really uh, I respect the greatest leaders have time to help. And I hope I can do the same. Thank you for showing the way for others here on the Crowdmakers. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you, Bill. If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast, and we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. 
And the executive producer of The Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Gertine. Until next time, thanks for listening, and so long for now. This is The Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.